Hello, and welcome to the Functionally Enlightened Podcast with Dr. Sharon Sarita. We interview well-respected medical and functional practitioners, as well as patients who have overcome disabling chronic conditions, such as dysautonomia, and reclaimed their health. These enlightened guests provide helpful tips on managing chronic pain and illnesses using a combination of traditional and whole-body healing modalities. If you're interested in natural healing and quality of life improvement, you're in the right place. Thank you for listening to today's episode. everyone and welcome to today's episode. Today we have a very special guest again. Her name is Melissa Forehand Vanderlinda. She is a Tallahassee native and she went to the Court Institute to get her massage license in 2000. Then she went on to get a bachelor's degree in dietetics from FSU, Florida State University for the people not local to Tallahassee. And that was in 2004. In the same year, she started studying craniosacral therapy at the Upledger Institute, where she now serves as a teaching assistant at the Institute. Welcome, Melissa. We appreciate you taking some time to speak with us. Thank you so much, Sharon, for inviting me. Of course, of course. There are probably a, a good number of people who are not familiar with what craniosacral therapy is. So could we start by giving our audience a little bit of a background on what it is and what it does, how it helps the specific type of patients that you see or clients that you see? Craniosacral therapy is a light touch therapy. We use the rhythm of the craniosacral fluid that is made in your brain and flows through your spinal column as an indicator of, of what we can help somebody with, what, what might be um, what might be going wrong in their system or what they might need some work with. And, and we can work on anything in the body. So that's one of the things that I really like about this system. The other thing I really like about the system is I am being as neutral as I possibly can and trying to listen to what your body says that it needs instead of being like, well, this is going on, so we should do this. Instead, I'm like listening, trying to listen to your body and going, oh, the body is saying that th this is what it wants, and let me see if I can provide that for it. I guess we should go back a step. What was something that drew you into this field as you were pursuing, you know, the academics and the university and in the institutes? Yeah, so, so I was doing massage therapy while I was going to school for dietetics. And then one of the things that really appealed to me about the craniosacral therapy is that it is a way to, like, connect with people that I feel is like more genuine than a lot of the ways that we interact with each other. Because once again, I'm, I'm listening in a neutral way to what their body's saying instead of interjecting what, what I think their body should do or be or what it needs. Did that answer your question? Yeah, and just a little bit more on what was the driving factor to pursue this in, in relationship to general massage therapy? Like what... Oh, what so, clientele do you serve best with this type of therapy? So, so one of the things that I really like about craniosacral therapy is that I can work on anything in a person's body and not just like muscle aches, things like that. I can help with trauma. I can help with various physiological problems that they're having because mm -hmm. I'm also listening to the system. And also the other thing that I like about craniosacral is that it helps the body because my touch is so neutral that it helps the body get into a very relaxed state, which is a very healing state for the body. Yes. And just being in that relaxed state sometimes can be a huge difference for people, especially people who are going through 
chronic illnesses or um, traumas that they've had because I work with PTSD or childhood traumas and for their body to be able to go, oh, this is what being relaxed feels like. This is what being in a healing space can feel like. That can be really beneficial. Absolutely. And you hit on a key point that a lot of people don't know how to relax. And even with the massage therapy, it's something that they go in and they can get a treatment, but it's not long lasting. It doesn't really teach the person what they can do individually or at home. So what I've learned, and I don't have much experience with it besides being a client myself, but I've learned that some of the, the things that are learned within a session are things that you can incorporate and help you have that calming presence throughout your day-to-day. You talked about it a little bit, but can you elaborate on how you can get a client to, to really feel that calming nature? It's more just the being with them in as neutral a place as possible and energetically connecting with them in a way that they feel safe. So many of our interactions with other people, or even with ourselves, there can be a lot of conflict or even just figuring out what to do or how to do it or whatever. And so being able to be in a space where someone is able to be neutral with you so that you can, your body or your system can be like, oh, this is, this is what I need. This is that space where I can actually heal myself. I don't know how long this practice has been in existence, and I know you've been pretty much dedicating yourself to lifelong learning and pulling from different sources of information. You do a lot of work with the inner parts and other philosophical practices. Yeah. (laughs) Can you um, explain how you can use some of this within a session? Because a lot of people might come in thinking it's going to be a completely nonverbal experience. Right, right. And and if that's what they need, then, then nonverbal is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can, it can be very helpful for the system if what they need help with, if it can be addressed verbally, it knows that it's being recognized. One of the systems that I use a lot to, um, to help verbalize what's kind of going on with, within somebody is called internal family systems. And that was created by Dr. Richard Schwartz. And it's just a fantastic system because anything that's coming up emotionally within you can be worked with and talked with, and it can be healed on a level inside of yourself that no nobody else can really help you with. Like, it's nice to have somebody there who supports you and says, hey, I'll be here for you. But when your system hears that from inside of yourself, that you will be there for them no matter where they're at, it can be life-changing. So, And so integrating that into the craniosacral practice is nice because the craniosacral generally gets people into a very relaxed state, so it's easier for them to access these parts and also for these um, parts to, once again, like get a sense of what that looks like to be relaxed and to be in a safe place with themselves. And some of these parts, they're probably not parts that we connect with, like you said. So doing this and trying to make that connection, it might be difficult in the beginning. I know yeah. in, the, in the beginning I couldn't connect and it was more, more superficial for me, like 
what do I need to do to calm down? How can I feel my breath? And how can I just be present? But this going in and doing sessions with you, I was able to kind of uncover some things that were hidden that I would have probably just overlooked or maybe never thought about again. But you do it in such a peaceable way that it's not a traumatic thing to relive. It's more just an eye-opening experience. So I, I really appreciate that. And I don't, I don't believe I got that in any other type of therapy. Yeah. Internal family systems is really the only one that I've, I've seen that like kind of you're recognizing that all of the parts that you have are part of you and that you don't be at war with those parts. You know, like a lot of therapies are like, oh, you got to get rid of that addiction part or you got to get rid of that piety part. And instead going in and like going, hey, anxiety, like, hey, I see that you're really you're really stressed about this. And letting that anxiety part know that you're there for it and it can actually express that anxiety to you within yourself, then it it feels heard and it's not all these parts, they just want to be heard. Just just like anybody. Like <laughs> everybody just wants to be heard. Each person designs their own, you know, their own ways to like I say to stay as safe and sane as possible, depending on what happened in their young life or what's going on in their adult life. And so we we can have protectors from being hurt by somebody else. And that could be like they weren't hearing you or you didn't feel heard. And so they might get angry or come up with all kinds of different, more people pleasing so that you will pay more attention to them. There's manager parts who try and figure out like how to um, control things and to keep everything in line. A lot of the manager parts like lists. And then there's the anxiety parts who are anxious about things that they can't control. And then there's the kind of the core part that got injured in the first place. That a lot of these other parts like come on top of to like try and protect that core part from like getting injured again. The ultimate goal is to help that part be seen. And that one's called exile in um, internal family systems is to help that part feel seen and heard and safe and secure and loved so that it can heal. And it, it doesn't have to be back in that situation where they can tend to be stuck. Imagine that these parts will show up at different times of our lives and you know something that wasn't there 10 years ago might might decide to show up now yep with respect to using all of the the manual techniques and ifs ifs internal family systems yeah i wonder how many in terms of percentages how many are you seeing that are experiencing chronically disabling conditions versus more of acute problems how would you describe acute Maybe a recent surgical trauma, maybe, oh my, I wouldn't say childbirth because that's <laughs> something like, lifelong, but something. Well, I, 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 do, I can see newborns and help them with that. So if they, they went through a traumatic birth and it's always nice when you can get the, the little babies in and help them start processing that wow. in a safe way before they figure out that they actually need help like 30 or 40 years later. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say probably if you count PTSD, which I do mm -hmm. probably like 90% of the people that I see, maybe even more are, um, for craniosacral fall in the, the chronically ill. Wow. Um, and it's such a helpful therapy. I know even in the mast cell circle, the mast cell activation syndrome circle, 
cranial sacral therapy is becoming something that part of practice as maybe not the practitioner performing it, but actually like referring a client out to it as a nervous system support. And they're saying that, you know, we need to support the nervous system before we can attack a lot of the other physical stressors, um, right. whether it be environmental toxins or nutrition even. Like sometimes we're not ready to tackle those things because we need to bring down that nervous system. Right. It's in, in, it's in high alert. So, yeah, it's a fight or flight. It can help the, the system to get into that relaxed, almost meditative state so that it can start processing the other things that are going on. Would you say that it is touching on the vagus nerve? Oh, I mean, the vagus nerve is definitely involved. I need to do more work with the vagus nerve. It's, it's so central. It encompasses so many of your systems. So a lot of our listeners, they deal with chronic illness, but specifically many of them deal with dysautonomia. And mm -hmm. so under that umbrella, we have things like POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, some yeah. with orthostatic hypertension, the MCAS that I mentioned, familial dysautonomia. That's one of the reasons why I came to see you and to learn about your practice is because of its efficacy in treating those kind of conditions. Um, have you seen, I know it's not a common diagnosis or it wasn't before, but now it's becoming more prominent with uh, the coronavirus and the long hauler syndrome. But have yeah. you seen any many clients presenting with dysautonomia? Definitely a few and definitely some with um, the long haulers from COVID. So, I mean, I take all of that stuff into account, but I'm more, once again, trying to listen to what the, the body needs exactly and mm -hmm. not necessarily to what the diagnosis is. I do take it into account and then seeing if there's anything that is involving the kind of an internal war with your, your parts and seeing if we can get some of that settled and or make those those young parts or even adult parts like yeah. feel safer so that they don't. Because sometimes with like the chronic issues, what I've been seeing is that it is parts trying to get attention so that they're listened to and or so that they can heal so they can get a place of love, safety and security, which is like a core, a core thing for us as a human being is to crave that, especially when we're when we're young. Crave I'm glad not you said word. that too, that, you, that you're not looking and focusing on the diagnoses, but looking at the whole body. Yeah. And that's one of the things also that people who are struggling with chronic illness have gone you know, through multiple specialists and they've learned that each specialist is treating one specific symptom. With that treatment, they could actually cause more side effects or symptoms to develop. So when you're when you're looking at the whole body and you're allowing the body to speak, it's not something that we look at initially, but it seems to be the most helpful thing, like letting the body speak to us. And, and so for those people who aren't aware of this practice specifically, how can you help them open their minds that it's a possibility to get some more healing, like some physical healing from your practice? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I've really seen that, that helps people open their minds is just to talk about it. And then if, if they're willing to, to like experience it, you know, if, if people are at a certain place where they they can't hear that, there's not a lot I can do to help them with that besides tell them maybe they should try it and see see how it goes for them. And do they often experience some change rapidly, like within one session, or is it something that takes multiple sessions to really notice? 
a difference. So what I've noticed is sometimes people get something that can be um, somewhat dramatic, like the first one or two sessions, and then we start working more on like the kind of the base, the foundation of what all's going on, and that generally takes a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, if, especially if it's like childhood wounds, it's kind of like that the foundation was kind of kind of messed up. So you're kind of rebuilding that in a safe, and you want to do it in a safe way as possible. And that's just going to take time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you talk us through, say you have a new client and they're not very knowledgeable in it, but they're open-minded enough to give it a try. Yeah. Can you, can you talk us through how you would begin this session? Yeah. So I generally start the session with, um, you're the most important person in the room. I want to hear what you have to say. If anything feels uncomfortable or hurts, then to please let me know. And then I'll be asking them some questions that they don't have to tell me like a full story of something that happened to them. You know, if it was childhood abuse, they don't have to go into like each detail, the the emotions that come up around that incident is the most the most important to work with mm-hmm. and then I just I let them know that they can ask me questions at any time and just sort of go with the flow of right. whatever, whatever comes up because each person's a little bit different there's there there does tend to be some things that are similar in people but everybody's come up with uh, different ways of helping themselves stay as sane and safe and sane as possible mm-hmm. with regard to the positioning of you know, the clients and thinking of their comfort are, are most of the sessions done in like a laid back manner or are they fitting? So I can work with somebody in almost any position. I do try and keep it to where it's somewhat ergonomic for me. Um, but since I work on like kids and babies, yeah, sometimes I've been on the floor with the kids <laughs> or not really chasing them around the room, but I'm like waiting for them to pause a little bit so I can work on them some more. The person's comfort is important. I, I was working with a baby the other day and the baby wanted to nurse. So I just sat next to mom while baby was nursing and worked on the baby. And so yeah, whatever, whatever position I can do. And then I try and make it as ergonomic for me as possible. But once again, the client is the most important person in the room. So you mentioned baby, so I'm wondering, like, what age, what's the youngest and what's the oldest patient range that you've worked with? Probably within a month of being born. I can't remember if I've seen someone younger than that. And the oldest, I don't know, 80s. I don't think I've seen anyone in their 90s for craniosacral. It's very it, wide range it, there. Any age. <laughs> mm-hmm. We all need some help. It doesn't matter the age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all need some help. Like I've said before, it can be really, really lovely for people's systems just to have a space to come to where they somebody's just interacting with them as neutrally as possible. Yeah, I, I wasn't thinking about the, the infant experiencing the trauma, but that is a very good point. You know, they're probably one of the most traumatic experiences is being born. <laughs> um, yeah. And especially in like C-section. So C-section or things are going wrong or if the mom has had any stress going on in her life either before or during the birth you know there's all babies are very very sensitive to energy Mm -hmm. that baby that I was working on the other day she was very sensitive to energy it took her a while before she was like okay with my touch and I just um because she could sense that something was happening 
and she wasn't sure if she trusted me yet or not. So we just we just took her time to where she got to where she was okay with. But I mean, they're almost all. That's almost how they take in all their information is by the energy around the people that are of the people around them. Right. And we we all do that as adults too. We just muffle it a lot with other things. Yeah, I guess we learn some coping strategies and. <laughs> <laughs> how to learn to ignore and brush things off it yeah it would be pretty overwhelming if we all though i mean it might be it might be better if we all interacted with the world that way it would probably look completely different personality types i think are a roadblock not really a roadblock because they can advance us in life at the same time so mm-hmm. i guess what i'm saying is that there has to be a balance between just like everything else in life but yeah with certain personality types. People wear their heart on their sleeve or maybe they take offense to things a lot more easily, either explode with it or they internalize it. Right. So I think both of them are, are hard to deal with and how hard to redirect that energy. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess it, when people internalize, it might become harder. What are your thoughts on that? Oh. It really depends on their their coping strategies. I was working recently with um, someone who has this amazing coping strategy for uh, just works really hard. They have their own office so they can kind of control all the stimuli that like comes in and how they interact with everyone. And their part that that likes that managing and like taking care of it like that to keep everything into control is really not interested in helping the little kid parts like heal and so just working with that talking to them letting them know this person's body has some some issues that are probably just get worse because usually um are not sometimes what what's going on with those issues is coming from those little parts like needing that attention needing that recognition so i just talked to the sweet little manager part let it know that it did an amazing job, but it's the body's going to fail at some point if it keeps it <laughs> if it keeps it going in that direction without listening to the body at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's a little bit different, so that's yeah. where you know I try once again I try and be as neutral as possible and like come in with a sense of space for them. Like they don't have to be they don't have to be a certain way, but but also to provide them with what's help them see what's actually going on. Is there anything that you recommend to your clients that you know is going to help them or be a benefit so that you recommend it to them to do while with you and also that they can do it at home? Yeah. So a a lot of times I I strongly recommend people to read like Richard Schwartz book, No Bad Parts, because it also helps get people like familiar with that process. He also has several YouTube videos that explains his his technique because it can be really confusing to people. Almost any emotion that you have that is a part of you and it has feelings and concerns and and can be uh, worked with. I think that would probably be the biggest one. And then we just sort of see how they're doing in between between when I see them and see if there's some issues that are coming up. Practice some mindfulness, but that can be really, really hard for some manager parts. Right. Just something that we end up working on. So, I mean, it's really, it's variable. We go by the person. Yeah, individualized approach. Everyone comes in for, it could be a similar main complaint, but they're presenting differently. They're experiencing things differently. So that yeah, makes yeah. 
coming from a, a different perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure even cultural differences are, are a big oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cultural differences are huge. I've been working with the Jewish Orthodox community in, um, in New Jersey some uh, for trauma issues. And that's been very interesting. Like, I've got to be very careful about my cultural references because they don't watch TV and movies. So, you know, so <laughs> I can't use a lot of the cultural references that I would use. And then, of course, a lot of their the ways that they, they interact with each other is completely different or with the even with the outside world. So just uh, trying to be mindful about that and open with it and going with the flow is really. <laughs> yeah, there's some your work that can be virtually done. So. So mostly what I do is in person. My wife does do some Zoom sessions with people. I haven't quite got the knack for that, but if somebody wants to give it a try, I'd, I'd be happy to try. But yeah, you can do the craniosacral even long distance, and you can definitely do the, the IFS stuff. Awesome. So how can people reach you if they'd like to schedule an appointment or learn a little bit more about your practice? The best way to contact me is with phone call or texts, and my phone number is 850-510-4877. And they can call to schedule an appointment or they can um, just talk to me some more about what's specifically going on with them and or what concerns they might have about the therapy. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. We'll put that number in the show notes and we'll also put a link to their website. Craigslistbotalahassee.com. Yeah. Okay. Yes, we will include that in the show notes. And we thank you very much for taking the time and to educate us on what cranial sacral therapy is and how it can help people and just overall tone down the chaos of the world, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, and or the chaos inside. Yes. Well, thank you again for, for inviting me. Uh, it's been fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and also to our Instagram. Our handle is Functionally Enlightened. Dr. Sharon Sarita is not a medical professional and is not providing healthcare, medical, or nutritional therapy services or attempting to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical, mental, or emotional issue. The information provided in this podcast is for the informational purposes only and is not intended to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek advice from your physician or other qualified healthcare provider before undertaking a new health regimen. Do not disregard medical advice or delay seeking medical advice because of information you heard in this podcast. Do not start or stop any medications without speaking to your medical or mental health provider.